This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus bringing in Husker Online intern Grace Harmon. Grace, uh, what do you have this week in the mailbag? All right. Well, is AJ Martinez cleared for winter conditioning, spring football? Any update on that? We don't really have a definitive answer on that, but my guess right now would be no as far as like you know what he's doing. I would I would think whatever he's doing it's very very limited. Um, but they didn't divulge a lot about a surgery. Frost did say in December though he wouldn't expect it to be him out keep him out for the spring. Um, so if he did have a shoulder thing, it must not have been a major one because a lot of shoulders t- do take six months to, to fully recover. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it was his non-throwing shoulder, but still, uh, I would imagine he's go- if he's out there, he's going to be limited. I mean, they're not going to take any risks with any setbacks in spring ball. And you know, for all those people that uh, were really clamoring for a quarterback competition, there you go. I mean, if you got your st- quote-unquote starter uh, that's going to be limited that's going to open the door for a lot of reps for those younger guys that are going to be able to showcase what they can do um, with a lot of guys on campus that are going to be starters on offense next year so um, I I would imagine that he'll practice in some capacity but uh, I have a hard time believing he won't be limited quite a bit yeah I don't I don't see him going full bore Um, you know I think you got to be careful I mean anytime you're talking about a quarterback I don't care who it is uh, and there's some sort of procedure done I mean you got to be careful bringing them back and um and we know that you know we know he obviously had one I, and I don't know we don't know the particulars of it but uh, I would yeah I'd be shocked if he was uh full go uh, completely all right staying a little bit on the quarterback track is this a make or break year for Mario Verduzco oh no I mean I don't know why that question's even I mean he's really done a really good job of bringing in guys I mean you look at the development that they've brought in and guys, I mean, first of all, Vedral, look what he's done with him. He's got him to play really well. McCaffrey was a receiver really as a junior, played quarterback as a senior, and look how he played. We know what Martinez did as a freshman. He didn't have a great sophomore year, and we know Smothers. So I would say you could argue no coach has recruited and developed top to bottom better than Mario Verduzco. Yeah, Nebraska's quarterback room is better than it's been in decades, probably. And a lot of that has to do with Mario Verduzco. And not only his recruiting, but, uh, I mean, he, he has a culture in that room that makes guys better. Uh, and it's, a, it's an odd philosophy. You know, it doesn't all, all click with everybody. But the guys that, that want to come play for him, I mean, that, that, that connects with them in a way that not, not too many coaches can do. And, um, you know, I mean, the track record speaks for itself. I mean, you, yeah, you could look at last year, but Adrian Martinez was great as a freshman. Mackenzie Milton was a Heisman Trophy. I mean, like, just go down the list of quarterbacks he's worked with have all been elite-level players. And so I would maybe say that last year was a, the exception to the rule based off what we've seen over the course of his career. Yeah, I mean, if you're grading coaches based off of, you know, the development of their players and how their players perform or produce combined with – um, your ability to evaluate talent and recruit talent, I, I think Mario is probably grading out right towards the top of, of everybody. I do think last year's production at that position was a little bit of an anomaly, but, um, I mean, there's there's no question he is one of the best uh, talent evaluators and quarterback recruiters, I think, in the country. Um, and, and that's kind of evidenced by what they've done and the talent they've been able to bring in. Plus, to be able to, to bring those types of you know, highly ranked, high-profile types of guys into one room and have everybody happy, uh, you don't see that happen very often across college football these days. And, so, and, and that kind of speaks to his ability to manage that room too. 
All right. So who are the top two best recruiters on this staff so far at Nebraska and who are the worst two recruiters? I always gosh darn. It. I mean, the, I mean, come on. Like, I, I think right now you, you have uh, the to, top two are easy. easy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Fisher and, and um, health. Um, but, you know, when, when you look at the worst, I mean, I think everyone's definition of that can be different um, because some different coaches like. You know, DeWitt last year didn't have a great recruiting year because he, he had a lot of other stuff, lot going, of stuff on. going on. Yeah. Um, Troy Walters, as an offensive coordinator, you know, he, he didn't, in you know, a receivers coach, you know, he's been a guy, but I, I don't know, like, if there's technically a war. Sometimes years just go your way. And, Nate, you, you can probably speak on that better than anybody. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska has, you know, areas that they recruit. Some guys have better areas than others. And some years there's more talent in, in areas than others. And, um, you know, I would, I usually, when looking at like best recruiters to, to worst recruiters, I usually put them in tiers, you know, there's kind of an elite level tier, you know, in, in tier one, and then there's kind of a tier two, which is, is good, uh, but maybe not quite elite. And then there's maybe that tier three, which is just, you know, average. And, um, you know, and I think the majority of Nebraska's coaches kind of fit into that tier two with, with Held and Fisher kind of being in that tier one right now. All right, so Nebraska's two remaining spots, how do you anticipate them being used? Nate? Well, I think we'll probably see at least one uh, more addition to this class. And right now it looks like it's going to be either a wide receiver, uh, which is Chris Drain, who's visiting this weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about him in the, the recruiting segment. Um, you know, maybe a defensive end, a high school defensive end, uh, Tanoa Tagawai visited in December. Nebraska is still after him. He's got a, he's got one more trip coming up uh, before he probably makes a decision. Might take his fifth trip. Uh, he isn't quite sure on that yet. And then Brennan Scott is a four-star linebacker out of Dallas that has, uh, you know, had been committed to, to Kansas, oddly enough. Uh, just reopened up his, his uh, recruitment not too long ago. Comes from the same high school as Darian and Damian Daniels at Bishop Dunn High School there in, in Dallas. So, um, he could also be, you know, uh, somebody that the Huskers try to bring in for a visit. So I think that it probably comes down to one one of those three guys uh, or one of those three positions. Obviously, if they're looking at bringing those guys in, they're they're looking to add at least one more body at at uh, a wide receiver, defensive end, or linebacker. All right, we got time for about two more. All right, what do you think Frost took away from watching that national championship matchup? I mean, I think when you look at it, Nebraska is a long ways away. I mean, any of those teams in the playoff hunt, really all 22 of their starters are NFL-level players, and, and, and that's what it takes. I mean, I, I think when you compare eras, to me that's what's probably different now about this era than earlier eras like the 90s and the 80s. I feel like and then you could get away with not having NFL-level guys at some positions. I don't know if you can do that anymore. I, I think the, the level of recruit that these teams are bringing in um, and the number of guys they're getting drafted each year, um, that's what it's going to have take to have to play at that level. I mean, the first three rounds of the draft will probably have <laughs> all 22 players on offensive defense on both ends of the field be, be taken at some point. So, uh, I mean, that just shows the gap between the haves and have-nots in college football where there's a, About five or six there's teams. a handful of teams that stockpile those types of dudes because – 
those types of dudes want to play for championships and they want to play in those games. And they think that if I go to Clemson, if I go to Alabama or LSU, uh, I'm going to get that opportunity. And that's hard to sell for other programs that haven't been at that level and haven't had that type of success to lure them away. I mean, because there's really not much more you can sell that's going to garner the attention of a kid of that profile. Well, Nate, think what it's done to the Pac-12. I mean, just with how these teams have continued to pull ahead and the Pac-12 has been left out of the playoff now four out of six years. Um, kids don't want to go to the Pac-12 because they're not in the playoff hunt. Yeah, it's really decimated that league from from top to bottom. I, I think. Uh, I mean, you, you might have an outlier in, in Oregon that's that is uh, that, you know pretty talented from top to bottom right now, looking looking like uh, you know, a strong contender at least to, to be in the conversation for college football playoff team. But outside of that, I, they don't really have anybody. And uh, you know, and to me, yeah, the the biggest takeaway from watching that game, if I'm Scott Frost, is the uh, the importance of having you know, some elite recruiters on your staff because you got to bring in dudes. I don't, I don't care how innovative you are as a coach or how well you develop players, uh, whether it's as a coach or your strength, conditioning, nutrition, whatever. Uh, you got to have you got to have dudes. Get at the cats. Got to have some cats. <laughs> and, and, uh, um, good players make make coaches look great. Final question, Grace. All right. Well, seeing how Bob Diacob will be back in Lincoln for the first game of the year, what is your strangest or funniest interaction with him while he was at Nebraska? Diaco. Well, I, I got a funny story I'll share. First, my friend Pete Sampson from The Athletic, um, he used to be at the Rivals Notre Dame site, and when I told him Nebraska was hiring Diaco, he goes, okay. <laughs> he goes, be ready. He goes, I'll just put it like this. He goes, the last conversation I had about Bob Diaco was in an elevator, and he asked me about my baby, and he talked to me about the values of nursing. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that dude's so weird. So, it, yeah, uh, my best story came, I think it was after one of the Northwestern games when they were out in Evanston, and uh, maybe it was North. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, they the defense had just played very poorly once again, and you know, I asked a question just about, uh, you know, it was kind of a – Common question just about where things were, and you know, is, was it surprising that you know the, the execution and effort and all that stuff was was where it was? And you know, he did this thing where like he had those like blue steel eyes, and he just like stared right into my eyes, and like <laughs> we had like a contest of who was going to back down first, and. To my credit, there's video of this. I stood my ground and I locked eyes with him. <laughs> and he answered like about a 45 second question uh, or answer and we didn't break eye contact once. I don't even know if I blinked because I wanted to make it a point to hold my ground. I was like, buddy, I just dealt with Bo Pelini. There's nothing you and your cashmere sweaters can do to, to make me back then. Did the, did the answer involve the word beautiful player? That may have been the beautiful sons, beautiful, beautiful uncles, beautiful cousins. <laughs> Yeah, it may that may have been. It. Yeah, you got the I mean, sweater shot at least. Yeah, I got the I got the sweet uh, sweater sweater shot of him uh, going back in the stadium to basically gather his his things before they were let go. I, I mean, I, every interaction um, with Bob Diaco was weird. So I mean, I I don't know. It, it's hard to like say. Well, yeah, there was there's one that really stands out because they were all strange. And I think the thing that I'll always remember about him is that his answers just rambled and rambled and, but yet they didn't make any sense. They, they very rarely did he like actually answer a question. I feel like he just kind of talked in circles long enough and then moved on to the next question. It was, he's, he's a character. We once saw him at the pool in the summer and he was wearing white linen pants on the pool deck with a cigar, just walking around the pool deck. Was. 
Yeah. I'll bet you his outfit was probably like $4,000 with those <laughs> those pants. He probably had some like silk button-up shirt. Evidently, he, Louis I mean, Vuitton sunglasses. he's a phenomenal chef. He, he claims to have a, I believe it. Ba, or John, John F. Kennedy's fettuccine Alfredo recipe. <laughs> um, I read that somewhere. <laughs> but he um of course he does dvd told us that story nate when he brought him over the house to cook and, yeah. and he had like i mean like a full chef deal going and he was like <laughs> it was yeah he's and he takes it very seriously too when he cooks it's like it's like um yeah he, there's no screwing around he's he's it's not like you or me with our instapots or something <laughs> no no he's not throwing chicken nuggets into the air fryer he's uh yeah. he's he's into it he's got like some old like italian music going on yes. like a nice bottle of chianti and mm-hmm. it's just really getting into yeah, it yeah it's like i bet she wears an apron absolutely he does it, <laughs> and it's like godfather type of you know it's like um, there's a razor blade slicing the garlic yeah. oh yeah he's not he's not he's not <laughs> buying the, the pre-packaged garlic no, hell no no all right. Well, that's enough Diaco talk. Well, plenty of time to talk about Bob Diaco um, here going into the Purdue game. But Grace, thank you. Yeah, thanks. All right. When we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.